The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Eight minutes after eight on the Forum at Eight. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Darshan Mudli, standing in today for my colleague Sakina Kamwendo. She's unfortunately lost her voice, unfortunately, on Spring Day, and so we were hoping to chat with her today, but uh, she'll be back with you tomorrow. On the Forum at Eight this morning, we're discussing the Sariti Commission of Inquiry into the controversial multi-billion rand's arms deal which critics are telling us is a farce and must be dissolved immediately. The commission, chaired by Judge Willie Sariti, was appointed by President Jacob Zuma three years ago. They're investigating alleged corruption in the 1999 arms deal. Recently, three arms deal critics withdrew from the proceedings as they believe the commission had missed its opportunity to support the struggle for transparency and accountability. Their withdrawal follows that of other evidence leaders who've also resigned from the commission. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we're asking you, is the Sariti Commission of Inquiry a farce? You can tell us right now on 34701, tweet or Facebook as AM Live at SAFM or try me at Darshan Moo or give us a call right now, 0891 Of course, we'd love to chat with you. On the line to talk with us and to talk with you is William Bulloy, the spokesperson for the Arms Procurement Commission. He joins us from our Pretoria Hatfield studios. Mr. Bulloy, good morning. Thanks so much for your time. Okay, we will try to get him. He's not yet in our studio. We will try to get him in the studio. Uh, in the meantime, we do have uh, Henny Friend Furen who joins us on the line. He's one of those arms deal critics. He's an activist, a writer, a research associate for the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation. He's also the co-author of The Devil in the Detail. It's a book explaining how the arms deal changed everything. Mr. Van Furen, good morning. Thank you for your time. Good morning, Dash, and good morning to the listeners. Uh, let's start with this. I mean, this idea of where the arms deal became a farce. Did, did, was it just sudden? Did it suddenly become a farce? Or was it this at the very beginning, would you argue? Well, um, I mean, Dashan, quite quite clearly, this uh, the arms deal has been with us for a long time. For 15 years, activists and, and others have been trying to argue that what we really do need is a full investigation into corruption uh, in the arms deal and prosecution of those involved. And um, the decision in the Constitutional Court in late 2011 led ultimately, uh, it was arguments that were brought originally by Terry Crawford Brown, um, led to the President deciding to appoint a commission of inquiry. And initially, uh, myself, together with the, the two um, other authors, writers and activists, Andrew Feinstein and Paul Holden, who, who I've been working with, uh, led by, by lawyers for human rights in the commission, have argued strongly that it is our responsibility and the responsibility of all other people who have evidence of corruption, who know about wrong dealing in the arms deal, and there's been a great amount written by not only writers, but most importantly by investigative journalists and by state bodies um, who have investigated the deal uh, and the corruption in the deal on behalf of the South African public. And we said, let's take that information to the Commission. Let's help the Commission as far as we can. Um, and, and certainly that was our, our, um, our attempt from day one. Um, but the Commission itself, I think, was not spared any controversy from, from early on. We, we mustn't forget that the Secretary, the first Secretary to the Commission, um, committed suicide um, under relatively mysterious circumstances uh, in May of 2012. And then in early 2013, uh, we had the situation where we saw the first resignations of very senior people within the Commission. Um, there was uh, a Mr. Norman Moabi in January um, of last year, followed by Kate Painting, uh, both senior uh, um, lawyers and researchers who 
both indicated that there is a second agenda within the Commission, an attempt to cover up the truth. Um, and, and this, to some extent, had snowballed beyond our own problems with the Commission, just looking at what was happening uh, the, the further on in, in 20, 2014. We saw the 2013-2014 res- resignation of one of the chairpersons, uh, together with Judge Sariti, who's Judge uh, Lahori, a respected judge, who didn't give indications for his resignation, but he, together with Advocate of Abubakar, another senior evidence leader, in, in, uh, resigned. And then most recently, uh, Dashan, was the, the, the decision by two very senior evidence leaders, advocates uh, Sibia and Skinner, and, uh, to resign. That was in the last six weeks, and that letter was leaked uh, to the media um, and, uh, and, and published online, and where they, where they certainly, in a very damning 15-page letter to the Commission, their letter of resignation, point out how they've been excluded from meetings with the Commission, how they haven't been granted um, access to, to, to key documents, and where they point out some of the very deep failings in the functioning of the Commission itself. And all of this, of course, has pointed um, towards a... Uh, one can only talk about a trend that indicates... Um, uh, some element uh, to suggest a potential cover-up. And, and, of course, all of this collectively and many of the other problems we can talk about that we faced uh, as witnesses who've been subpoenaed by the Commission led us to take this very difficult decision of withdrawing from the Commission. We're still trying to reach William Beloyd, the spokesperson for the uh, Sariti Commission of Inquiry. We'll try to get him on the line in the next few minutes. If you'd like to chat to us about this, we've got Henny van Furen. He's one of the arms deal critics and one of the three who pulled out of the arms deal, citing that it had become a farce and uh, that it did have the second agenda. Give us a call on 0891104208. Mr. van Furen, you, you say that there's been the second agenda. I'm looking at the, the, the arms deal terms of reference for the inquiry. On Monday, the 24th of October, 2011, the president announced the commission. He listed the terms of reference. They're very clear. They're very direct. It doesn't seem like there would be an opportunity for a second agenda or for them not to pursue answers in terms of what it says here. Make findings, inquire, report on, and make recommendations concerning the the question of the arms deal. Absolutely, Dash. And I think and very clearly, and, and, and we're on record of saying that more than once, that the terms of reference were broad, they were clear. There was one small item, important item that wasn't included that was an investigation into why all earlier investigations had failed. But, but apart from that, um, I think it was far-reaching enough for us to say we can enter into this process uh, in, a, in, a, in a manner of good faith, also because we believe in the law, rule of law, because we believe in the primacy of our constitution, and because we want uh, democratic public institutions to work. And I think we've clearly seen in the past week the Bicoli Regan Commission of Inquiry into Violence in, in Kailicha as an example of a commission that has undertaken its work. There has been some controversy at the start, but delivered a report that's been welcomed by civil society, the police, and by all other parties. So an indication that if a commission wants to be able to do its work, it can. Our experience, however, um, with a commission was a different one. Um, we, our primary reasons from, for withdrawing from the commission, if I can talk to those briefly, Darshan. Oh, if, if you could, before, before doing that, Henny, we do have Mr. Beloy on the line, and I would like you to answer this before we speak to him. When did it all go wrong? If the terms of reference were so clear, if we were meant to get answers, if you joined in on the arms deal commission inquiry because you thought the terms of reference were so clear, when did it go wrong for you? 
Well, Darshan, well, I think it isn't one event, and I think that we should never reduce these things to one particular moment. But I think it's a, it's a culmination of events over a two-year period. It is the matter of the so-called second agenda and the way in which people who have worked within the Commission have effectively blown the whistle about what they uh, see as a potential for cover-up and unfair conduct within the Commission. Um, it was the 20 letters that we sent to the Commission through our lawyers, Lawyers for Human Rights, who acted for us in a pro bono manner over an 18-month period requesting access to documents. At best, in most instances, all we got was an indication of a, 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 a res- that, that, that the letters had been received, but very little formal response to our request to be able to access those documents. And again, we can talk to those documents. Our reason mm-hmm. for doing so is we didn't want a parallel investigation. We wanted access to those documents in order to be able to ensure that the Commission is using them in its work, that we can cross-examine witnesses. And of course, in our, in our, original, in our initial subpoena, that was a right that was afforded to us by the Commission. So we were simply exercising that right. We were blocked from access, ex, uh, exercising that right at every turn over, over the last 18-month um, uh, period. And then when we do, when we do have, when we certainly have ample evidence of, of, uh, of uh, irregularities that could be linked to corruption in the arms deal, um, and, and much of that, the Right to Know campaign is put up on a website, armsdealfacts.com. But when we have attempted to, uh, to ensure that, that those documents are used to cross-examine witnesses, for example, we have been blocked from doing so. And that means that those crucial documents, that, that those are documents, some of which were authored by companies that were, pay, that were paid by the arms companies themselves, the companies that won tenders, to look into issues of corruption, like the company Ferrostal, it points to irregularities and that are very closely linked to corruption. And, and the Commission did not want those documents to be submitted into evidence to allow us to cross-examine other witnesses. Now, cumulatively, when we, when we just sit back and we look at the cumulative effect of all of this over a over two-year period, at every point we said, we've got to keep on trying, we've got to keep on trying to assist the Commission. But I think um, it's a bit like an abusive relationship. At some point, we all recognize um, that the more you try and give, um, the more you're being pushed back. And, and, and I think very sadly, we had to admit um, that for us to participate, um, there's a potential that um, we would be giving support to a farce, um, an attempt to ensure that the people who've been implicated in corruption are, re- are simply reintegrated into public life. Um, and, and I think that we had to speak out. And I think effectively, I don't want to say that we are whistleblowers, but it is our responsibility as South Africans and, and South Africans who want to uphold the Constitution to speak out where we see what we, we see an unfolding grave injustice start taking place. Well, let's give the arms deal, uh, the, rather the Commission's spokesperson, a chance to respond. Uh, William Beloyne joining us on the line. Mr. Beloyne, good morning. Thanks so much for, cha- for chatting to us. Morning, Dashin, and morning to the listeners. And my apologies, Dashin. <clears throat> the traffic is so heavy, I had to make a U-turn to make sure that I quickly uh, take this call. No, thank you very much. We do appreciate it. We do have listeners who are also calling in to chat with you. Uh, Mr. Beloyed, there's been this concern among many that the arms deal is running the risk of becoming a farce. That's our question to our listeners this morning. We've had a raft of resignations of key leaders of of evidence, uh, secretaries who've resigned under mysterious circumstances as well. Is this commission in danger of being a farce? Dashan, let me firstly start with uh, the, the guest that you're having there. One, to say 
uh, as the commission is our view that we are not going to engage him on this platform as he is on our list of witnesses and uh, the forum is there where he is expected to come and testify before the commission and he has been represented by lawyers throughout the course of the commission so we are not going to conduct any other parallel hearing with him through this particular platform. You say he's still to appear. Didn't, didn't he withdraw from the commission? Uh, Geshen, uh we issued a statement last week uh, to say the commission is still considering whatever uh, withdrawal they claim to be, but they are on record that they are even going on a roadshow, which I, I take this uh, participation of him here as part of that roadshow. But let's leave it there because... <laughs> Uh, for now, he is in a list of our witnesses as mm-hmm. a commission, and then he is still expected to appear before the commission. Other processes will look at it. That's why I'm saying I'm not going to engage in a parallel uh, hearing with him through this particular platform. However, I need to put the following on record, Dashwin, with your kind permission. Mm-hmm. Firstly, the issue of the arms procurement uh, procurement. Uh, process has been with us for close to 15 years now which is like an albatross around our next South Africans the issue was even taken to the Constitutional Court hence the Commission was proclaimed by Parliament uh, after there were all other sorts of allegations that were made and uh, the the proclamation was made by Parliament to say here is the platform now any other information and whoever has whatever information about this process or all other allegations, here is the platform, let the people go and answer it. Two, the commission is being chaired by judges. Judge Siriti, Dr. Siriti, is a judge of the Supreme Court of, 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 of Appeal of South Africa. Judge Tekisomusi is the judge president of the Free State. Uh, judge Lehodi has resigned. He was the judge of the of the High Court, and he has indicated that he reserves the right not to disclose his resignation. I'm, I'm just trying to indicate that that certainly the commission hearings are open to the public, so that each and every person can see if ever somebody is not treated fairly or not. And the commission also has conducted its hearings openly through also the media were, uh, were, were represented. The other important fact is that up to thus far, 50 witnesses have appeared before the commission, including one, the former president of South Africa, cabinet ministers, but also, most important, the South African National Defense Force, the wing of the, of, 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 I mean, the, 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 the army was uh, uh, presented its evidence through the Air Force, but also the Navy and all other institutions of government, including different departments. Fifty witnesses up to thus far. So we were left with now another session of 14 witnesses. And the 14 witnesses, I want to make it very clear, are the ones that are, are your so-called uh, whistleblowers are the ones who have said we have a smoking gun we have evidence that we want to give to South Africans are the ones who said we possess all the evidence that shows that 
things were not done properly. Are the ones who have said, we have even the names of the people who unduly benefited. Are the ones who said, we even have figures and all those things. They are among the others who have written books, co-authored books. That's why even the commission said, come then now and talk about your books. And your books are already in the shelves. They are not saying we are going to write books. They have books that they have uh, already spoken about. The books are on the shelves. And the commission is simply saying, granted, you will come and and tell us about the books. Now, since we started the second phase where we should have those uh, witnesses, that's where the problem has been. Fortunately, three of the witnesses uh, of the so-called whistleblowers came to the commission before the commission, and it's on record, where some of them said, we don't know. We don't know. It was hearsay that was brought to us. So those are the facts that I want to put. And on Mm -hmm. Tuesday, which is tomorrow, we are proceeding with the testimony of Dr. Gavin Woods, who was the chairperson of SCOPA. He is going to appear before the commission tomorrow. So the commission is continuing. We have consulted and we're completing our consultation with uh, Mr. T.C.B. Terry Crawford-Brown, who took the matter to the Constitutional Court. He has participated in the commission's hearing. He did some cross-examinations of certain witnesses. He would also be part of the witness. So those are the key effects which I want to put on record that this shows that this is not a fuss. Unless if somebody, instead of, of, of coming to present what he has claimed, then is chickening out and because doesn't have evidence and start to call the commission of us. But I'm saying I'm challenging everybody to say the commission is open. You can come and see if it's a fuss. Secondly, the commission is open to the public. The commission is open and the witnesses have to come and appear. There were no talk of people talking about a fuss when all other relevant uh, stakeholders were called and doing their presentations. Well, William, so let's, let's put I the question then. Let's put it to our listeners then. Is this commission in danger of becoming a farce? Is it a farce already? The Sariti Commission of Inquiry will take your calls on 891 SMSs, send them right now on 34701. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Is the arms deal in danger of becoming a farce? The Sariti Commission of Inquiry, that's our topic today. After consultations and discussions, this is the uh, this is the message from William Beloy, spokesperson of the commission. He says they have decided that they will not have a discussion with Henny van Furen and the, the others who have uh, resigned or withdrawn from the arms commission uh, inquiry. They say it's because they're still due to appear at the commission. Henny, did you know that you're still on the books to talk at the uh, commission of inquiry? Well, well, Dashan, just, just firstly, before I answer that, um, I think it's unfortunate that Mr. Beloy was late for this interview because um, I think that um, he would have then heard that we are not chickening out, but quite clearly we have very grave concerns that's led us to, to, to make this, this very difficult decision. So I think this is, this is not an act of cowardice, but I think it's an act of, I'd like to say, an act of strength um, and, and one that many others within civil society have supported. With regard to the question on the subpoenas, we have been subpoenaed twice in January of uh, 2013 uh, and again in uh, June of this year. My understanding is that the second subpoena has now lapsed because we were due to appear 
in uh, in early August of this year, and certainly we we have not in August uh, the first week of August 2014, and certainly we haven't yet been reissued with with any other uh, with with any subpoena. And 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 that's one other important point to make is that um, Mr. Baloyan, while not wanting to deal, address this directly, accuses me of, of and others of being part of some kind of a media roadshow. We were invited onto the show by our public broadcaster for us to discuss. Uh, an, an issue that affects all of us in this nation. So I think it is very important that we don't belittle public debates in the way that Mr. Baloy has just done, but rather encourage it so that we can try and meaningfully contribute to ensuring that, uh, that there is a full investigation and ultimately a prosecution of those involved and implicated in corruption in the arms deal. And those are not only our own politicians. I think we've always made the point this is not directed at one or two politicians in, in South Africa. There are numerous middlemen, and there are all men, who are involved in corruption in South Africa and abroad or alleged to have been, and of course the large multinational corporations that stand to benefit hugely and stand to lose even more if they have to pay back the money, uh, if they are found guilty or, uh, of fraud and corruption, and pay back the money they will have to. Maybe not, we cannot return the weapons, but certainly they'd have to pay massive fines. So we shouldn't forget um, that there are very, very alive political Concerns, which I think inform um, um, some of the aspects of, of what some people have alleged to have been a cover-up. Allison in Cape Town wrote uh, saying, they want a witness to give evidence, but not to say what he knows. That's just wrong. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Call in right now. We'll take your calls. 0891-104-208. Is the Sariti Commission of Inquiry into the arms deal running the risk of becoming a farce? Uh, Mangali in Maikeng says the Sariti Commission is good and it's on track. An activist writes in simply saying Andrew Feinstein and others uh, who withdrew are heroes. Thank you to them for their efforts to uncover the arms deal secrets. Terence Brink in Kimberley says the Sariti Commission must be banned. It's costing the state too much money. And this one came in unsigned. What worries me is the fact that once a witness has testified, they may not speak again on the subject. Mr. Beloy, before we go to the lines and take a caller for you, we're getting a sense that the problem seems not that the not the evidence that has appeared, not the 50 or so that have appeared, but what doesn't seem to reach the ears of the commission. The Right to Know campaign says huge amounts of evidence are being kept away from the public. There's expressed hostility towards the whistleblowers and critics of the deal. How will you ever get to the truth? Uh, I've indicated, and I'm repeating, that uh, the hearings of the Commission are open to the public, and uh, there was a period where we even called for submission from everybody. I I don't want to deal with uh, certain structures or people through your show, because, like, for instance, I'll ask, who are the right-to-know campaign? When they start to say they haven't got documents, they haven't... In our witness list, we don't have a single person by the name of the right to no campaign who has uh, brought any submission or who has requested some Which Would you not prefer to deal with the substantive argument rather than uh, than to undermine the credibility of the structure? No, I'm, I'm saying because the structure, it's making unfounded allegations to say it has not been supplied with documents. But it's who a red herring, right Mr. No but it's a red herring, Mr. Beloy. It's a red herring. It's to take the attention away from the substantive point that's being made. Can you not deal with the argument before casting aspersions on the, uh, on the organization that's making the claim? Dashin, let us not use common sense on a very serious matter. Mm. That, that would be wrong, the first thing. 
and we are not going to talk about <clears throat> uh, unidentified people there who don't even participate in the commission. The commission is there. We have a list of But witnesses. you said it's open Every to the whole person, public, Mr. Boy. Like, for so instance, uh, your guest. Your mm. guest is in, is, is in, in, a, is in, in, the, in the in the list of witnesses. That's why he can he can say whatever he has. But if a person, we don't even know the person. Let the person come out and say, me as William Malloy, I have requested document X and seven. Well, he's and I have he's, not been he's given called the document. in, Mr. Malloy. The person that you wanted to speak to, he's called in, Mr. Murray from the Right to Know campaign. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having us. Would you like to respond to what Mr. Beloy has been saying? He, he says these unnamed persons are, are making accusations. He doesn't even know who the Right to Know campaign is. Well, Gerson, I, I'm, I'm sure that, that Mr. Beloy can find that on our website. We're obviously a group of organizations that are concerned with access to information and freedom of expression. So we're very concerned to see what's happening to the whistleblowers and the, and the really uphill battle that they've had over the last two years to get information from, from the Commission. I think it is really concerning to see that the Commission is not engaging substantively with the facts of the matter, which is that for more than 18 months, uh, these three witnesses have struggled to get this information released, not only to themselves, but to us, the public. It's information that the Commission should be using to guide its inquiry and has so far apparently not used any of it. This is the evidence that was pulled up by various law enforcement investigations over the last 15 years including Scorpions, including overseas investigations. Many of these documents are now in the public domain or, or parts of them are in the public domain. But we have to ask, why is the Commission not using them, number one? Number two, why is the public not being given access to them when we're being asked to apply our minds about whether or not there was corruption in the hospital? And, and if there was corruption, why it hasn't been tackled effectively? Well, Mr. Hunter, let's be fair to what Mr. Beloy is saying. And, and there is an SMS uh, that asserts his point as well. He says, questions, the question should be, this is an unsigned SMS, the question should be today, are Van Furen's claims a farce? Let's bring the evidence, says this SMS. Uh, Murray Hunter from the Right to Know campaign, is there an agenda behind the Right to Know campaign? Where do you get your money and why is this an issue for you? <laughs> Look, our only agenda is ensuring that the constitutional right to access information is fulfilled. Uh, our funders are available on our website, you know, the, the usual civil society uh, things, but I think that that isn't, that isn't really, that's a distraction. Um, if there is an agenda behind the information that Frontierian and the other whistleblowers have brought forward, it's simply to get to the truth. Uh, we have to remember that a lot of the evidence now, because of armsdealfacts.com, the evidence that they have brought to the table is now available to the public. Uh, and it shows, for instance, that the arms companies themselves have paid fines overseas for their conduct in the South African arms deal. Why is it that they are not before the Commission answering questions? Murray Hunter, the National Coordinator of the Right to Know campaign. Uh, we, uh, we needed Geshen. his response. Uh, Mr. Beloy, would you like to respond to that? Yes, Let me say that I'm really disappointed. I'm really disappointed that can we use this serious platform with a commission of inquiry, a commission that is proclaimed, to then start to talk about fictitious and fictions. I mean, when a person says there is a website asking questions, can really a, a commission of this nature, through this platform, 
talk about answering to a website of some and which they say it was formed yesterday. No, Geshet. Can we go to real serious mm-hmm. substantive issues? Well, I'm, Mr. Beloy, is, is it I not? Is, is the response to a website, or is it not to South Africans who are concerned? The same ones that you invited to the the the, the commission itself are these not South Africans that you're responding to? Not some arbitrary uh, object like a like a website. Maybe if you might have done a little bit of research when we started, it would have assisted in the sense mm-hmm. that, one, this is a commission that is proclaimed by Parliament with uh, the terms of references, and then you also have the guidelines on that commission and also the processes that have been followed, that we have even issued uh, subpoenas to people. We don't issue subpoenas to websites that were formed yesterday. We have issued subpoenas to the people who have made allegations, to people who have been uh, implicated, and all those things. Those, we are talking about real people existing, those who come and say what they have to say. But then if you start, we start going on this particular route, I'm sorry, I think we we'll would be misleading the nation. Well, let's invite more callers, 891 Before we get them on the line, Henny Van Furen, do you have any comments? Yes, and certainly. Um, I think that unlike Mr. Beloy's earlier comment, I think that common sense must prevail. We should not be impugning a sitting, sitting judge. I think that's incredibly important. But secondly, we should recognize that we're not talking about some websites out there. The armsdealfacts.com website lists actual evidence of corruption or alleged corruption irregularities in the arms deal, and some of those documents have not been admitted into evidence based on a decision taken by the commission. So we, we're not talking, we're not speculating. We're saying that there are documents like a document called the Debo Vaughan Plimpton Report, which Ferristyle, one of the winning bidding companies in the arms deal, uh, got a U.S. Uh, a law, com- a law firm to look into allegations of corruption, and it showed that there were a whole string of irregular payments in the South African arms deal. We tried to submit that document uh, into evidence during cross-examination, and we were blocked from doing so, unfortunately, by the chairperson of this commission. Mr. David Mania tried to do the same thing to just over three weeks ago. Exactly the same thing happened with him. And, and I urge uh, uh, listeners to go onto the arms deal website, and I'm sure Mr. Beloy would be happy to give him the URL, and, and we can refer to approximately from page 7,800 of the transcript. There are very clear paragraphs in which you can read um, that, that the judge is saying, if you are not the author of a document, you cannot submit the document into evidence. And what this means, Dashen, is that the only people who can submit documents into evidence are those who have first-hand knowledge of corruption. And who are those people? It's the people who've benefited from corruption. It's the people who've paid bribes and people who are the middlemen. It means that the three, the three interested parties that have the least interest in the truth are the ones that the Commission is suggesting we should rely upon uh, to speak to documents that implicate them in criminal behavior. Um, It uh, it is an astounding uh, um, ruling from the Chair and certainly does block our ability to be able to to submit evidence that is in our possession and that uh, that is on the armsdealfacts.com website. We've been keeping our callers on hold for a long time. They've been waiting to engage with you. Khotatso in Pretoria, our apologies. Good morning. Uh, I guess you, the best way to describe this situation is to use the title of Andrew Feinstein's book, After the Party. The party has been going on for 15 years. People have become celebrities because of the claims they have been making about what has happened.
to the armed deal. Now the party is over. They have to come and substantiate the claims they have been making. On Nobody asked them to make these claims. They themselves said, we know A, B, C, D, E. They did not say in their books or in their public lectures that there's information that is missing. They said, we have information and proof of wrongdoing. All they have to do is to bring it forward. The second one, which is even more serious and damning, is that aspirants are being uh, cast on sitting judges of our court. One sits in the Supreme Court of Appeal. One is a judge president. Aspirants are being cast that they are biased, that as officers of the court they are trying to hide the truth. And nobody sees anything wrong with that. Why don't they approach the JSC and and make complaints about the uh, these judges. So please tell these people they've become celebrities, they've, they have to come. As, as accountability is not only for officials, it's also for people who claim to have information that can help the country to come to some form of conclusion. They have to be accountable and account for what they've been saying for the past 15 years. Thank you. thank you very much for your call in Pretoria. Got Mike holding on in Durban. Good morning, Mike. Uh, morning to all you people that don't like corruption. <laughs> uh, I've got two items, very quick. Uh, when Tony Gengeni had his 4 by 4 confiscated, just after that, an opposition member in Parliament asked Tava and Becky, where did you get your 4 by 4 from and where is it now? Mike, thanks for your call, Mike, there in Durban. And we've got Funani on the line in East London. Funani, good morning. Morning, Dustin. Greetings to your guests. I think um, for me, or my experience, teaches that fuss and opium tend to produce the same effect. They either lull the brain or they kind of excite you. I think this commission for me is either an opium or a fuss. The first point is you have some of the people or, number one, the president, who is somehow implicated in corruption. He's the person who appoints judges. He's the person who design or draft or work on the terms of reference. So the question is, will those judges not favor the person that appointed them? That's a question. The second thing, you have senior people who served in the commission who resigned. Some of them reasons withdrawn. So is it not because they know something that, that we don't? Is it not because they want to hide their faces and themselves from something that will taint them in future? That's another question. The arms deal happened. A previous caller talks about Tony and Gany, who went to jail for corruption. Shabir Sheikh was implicated. And what we now know as the citizen is that arms deal happened. There was corruption. Listen to your guest. 50 people were interviewed. And those people who were interviewed were somehow people who are allegedly beneficiaries of of arms deal. Fourteen are so-called whistleblowers. This is what he says. Fourteen are so-called whistleblowers. Of the fourteen, three have appeared. And what, what are they saying? We don't know. How can I be a whistleblower who go to where I'm supposed to give evidence and say, I don't know? Listen to a tone of your guest. For me, listening to him... It sounds as if Amsterdam did not happen. It sounds as if we have so-called whistleblowers. There, there, there are no facts. He rubbishes any person who wants to argue that there was corruption in Amsterdam. So 
this fast for me will happen because the person who represents the commission, who is a spokesperson, does not think that there was corruption. So how can I be convinced that the evidence that will come from that arms deal commission will be true? I, I'm, one, I'm one of those who say those who are withdrawing, withdraw so that you keep your faces and your names intact and not tainted. Let's leave it there. Fanani in East London, thanks for your call. It's 10 to 9. We'll return to chat with our guests and get their reactions to those comments. Stay with us. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. SMS is still coming through. Joe says it is a big farce. Patricia DeLille, who came up with this lie, would not come up with her informers. Finally, she was unhelpful. Uh, Stephen Matsumela, Soshanguve, says it's a farce if those who allege corruption then fail to testify when the opportunity arises. Freddie says the detractors of our democracy must either go or represent their evidence or forever be quiet, says Freddie. Standiwa says definitely not a farce, judging by the caliber of witnesses already testified. And Sunny Etwatwa says uh, Patricia Dill had no evidence, only hearsay from a dead man. They must go and give evidence, says Sunny Etwatwa. Let's uh, get reaction then from our guests. Mr. Bloy, perhaps first from you. Uh, I guess in closing, let me thank you very much, but also to indicate that the commission is still sitting and its hearings are open to the public and any witness who takes the stand uh, can be seen and can say whatever he or she wants uh, uh, to say or she knows. So uh, there is no uh, intention or no any other action that can indicate that the Commission is manipulating what people should say or what people have said. And uh, previously, as the other callers indicated, people have gone all the way for the past 14 years, saying we know one, two, three, four, five, six. So here is the platform. Come tell the nation so that at least this matter can be closed. And I want to uh, leave it at that. Henny, what are we forgetting in this? Well, Dashan, I mean, I think the, we have had 50 witnesses that have appeared. We shouldn't forget that the first big group of them were the scene setters who told us about uh, the, the, the rationale, the thinking behind the arms deal. Now we have the so-called critics or whistleblowers, only two people who are directly implicated in corruption in the arms deal, Fana Khambwani and Mr. Chippy Sheikh, have been called uh, to testify. We haven't seen the dozens, and, and we should be very clear that there are literally dozens of people from our President Jacob Zuma through to um, people such as Mr. Tony Yengeni and, and Shabir Sheikh, but other people, former people, uh, former arms corps officials like Liu Swan, who was also working for arms corps during apartheid, right through to the arms companies themselves, have not been called as witnesses. There are at least, I would say, three dozen of those. And most importantly, it's not only about having people on seats. It's not about literally the so-called bums on the seats in front of the commission. It's something much more fundamental than that. And that's about the ability um, of the, the witnesses to be able to access the documents that we can use to ask the hard questions of some of those people that are testifying. And there, there, is, a, there is a very clear record, and it's not... It's not what I'm just saying here. It's the record that exists in the transcripts of the Commission. It's to be found in the rulings, unfortunately, of the Commission itself that says that we cannot speak to documents that, one, uh, prove, uh, we argue, evidence of irregularity and potentially of corruption. And we mustn't forget, these are not small amounts. It's a 70 billion rand arms deal. Up to 70 billion rand was spent. And in some instances, we, we have evidence and, uh, that, that uh, for example, from the arms companies where BAE 
one of the winning companies uh, in an agreement with the plea bargain in the U- U.S. Uh, Department of Justice indicates that they did pay um, about 1.8 billion rand, between 1.8 and, and 2.5 billion rand in, in commission fees in South Africa alone. And we know that commission fees are very often and are largely linked to corruption. So the, the evidence is there. The commission clearly, um, for reasons that I cannot understand, does not want to grapple with the evidence. Uh, and we cannot be part of a process um, that doesn't want to see evil, that doesn't want to speak about evil. And that has led us to do what we have done, is to call for the dissolution of the commission, to say that we respect the rule of law, we, uh, we uphold uh, our constitution, and therefore we want an independent investigation of corruption in the arms deal and a prosecution of all of those people that are, are implicated. The over 40 million rand that has, spent, has been spent on the Arms Procurement Commission thus far has delivered precious little in terms of evidence. And that isn't because the evidence isn't there. That's because, and again, we cannot understand why the Commission doesn't want to examine this. So when are we going to hear it, in Sorry. your words? When are we going to hear that evil? Dashin, Dashin. William, I will give you a chance to respond. Let's just get Henny to, to respond to this first. When, when are we going to hear the, that evidence that hasn't been heard? Dashan, I, 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 like many others, would wish that there was an opportunity at this commission um, for us to put an end to this matter that has been with us for 15 years. I think it would be incredibly important um, and, and it would be a, a fine day um, both for South Africa and for all of those involved in making this commission work if that was to happen. At the moment, it doesn't look like the Sariti Commission of Inquiry will provide us with that opportunity. So I think that this struggle must continue in other ways as it has before. It is to say that the commission is unfortunately not going to be able to deliver um, on, on those aspects of, of its mandate, and we need to make sure that there are other state institutions that are empowered to do so. This won't happen overnight, but the, the, the issue is so clearly important both within our politics, both within the international struggle against corruption in the global arms trade that is a significant contributor to corruption worldwide, not only in our country, but in developing countries across our continent and globally. Mm-hmm. And that it is something that I think we can't just hold our hands up and say we give up. I think that the struggle needs all South Africans to support it so that it can continue. Henny von Furen, thanks so much for joining us for this past hour. He's an activist, writer, research associate at the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation. He co-authored the book The Devil in the Detail, How the Arms Deal Changed everything. William Beloy, spokesperson for the commission, how would you respond to him? And two SMSs that came through, Spiro and KZN saying we need to tell you these two facts Mr. Beloy. The public has no power to say who should be subpoenaed and what evidence must be used by the evidence leaders. And this is unsigned. It says they were surprised by a rather quick response when you were before you even asked why has the other judge resigned? You said it was within his preserved rights not to disclose the reasons. Uh, Jashin, thank you very much. Actually, the issue that I wanted to put, you have already put it nicely to your guest there, to say all those things that we were saying, granted good things that he said he knows, come and repeat the same thing before the commission. Exactly all the things that he's saying, mm. unless if it's only for his, his uh, promoting his books and whatever websites. But all those things that he has said are things that we say, come and say. Remember when you write a book, you're not under oath. But when you come to put people's names and allegations against people, 
come and do it under oath so that at least the old uh, uh, South African public knows. And I want to thank you for that, to say also that the list of the witnesses is not exhaustive. Uh, as more uh, names appear uh, made by uh, witnesses that come, we also, the judge also orders that we inform the people whose names uh, are brought or implicated, and then they are also called. So the list is not exhausted, and I uh, would say the commission is very transparent. Any other thing that the commission has conducted up to thus far has been above board. And thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Spokesperson for the Sariti Commission of Inquiry into the arms deal, William Beloy, joining us on the line. And earlier we had Henny van Furen, one of the activists who's pulled out of that Commission of Inquiry. Thanks so much to you for listening in and for joining in our conversation and to our producers for putting it all together. Miriam Wate, Jake Makomo and Sisanda Jonas, senior producers are Chiridzi Chivasin, Lungila Mabaso, forum producer Ronald Piri, technical producer Mark Preller, our specialist producer Budzi Lokoto, executive producer is Aubrey Sechi. I'm Darshan Midley. Thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, we'll be back with you, of course, on the airwaves. Midday live coming up 12 to 1. And remember, PM live, 4 to 6 PM. In the meantime, you can tune in. 9 o'clock comes up with, with your news bulletin with Sikona Miso. And then it's over to Rowena Bird. For myself, have a great morning and a happy spring day. <laughs>